Aloha. Good morning to everyone. Good morning to everybody online. Nice to have everybody here in whatever way that you're here. Some people are still coming in. We got lots of sprinklings of seats toward the front and the center. Well, the musical worship was great. The announcements were great. Maybe you still need to warm up. So go ahead and roll your shoulders. Slap yourself hard in the face. And uh, be present for a while. We got a warm-up question for you to get started. Uh, the question is, what, what sinks your faith? You know, you might, you might know what floats your faith. You might, not, might know what really inspires you, what gets you energized and jazzed. What sinks your faith? Take a moment. I'll give you eight seconds for brilliance. Go. What sinks your faith? What sinks your faith? Thanks, man. <clears throat> because, you know, you're meant to be, you're meant to be a producer in life, aren't you? You're meant to be extraordinarily productive, a hundredfold productive, as Jesus says, you're, you're meant to be a miracle worker, right? Right? Do we all understand that? You're meant to be a world shaper. The universe is designed to bend toward your faith. How about that? You think that's true? Because, you know, we are God's champion. That's the way he chose to design things. Maybe not a great business model, but that's what he went with. You know, we are the deal. You are you're the light of the world, According to Christ himself, you are a city on a hill. We're on a hill. I feel good about that. You know, that's us. You are God's plan of salvation for your family, friends, coworkers, and neighbors. You're the plan. You're it. That's you. That's you. Pat yourself on the back. You are, at the very least, a creative and definitive force in your own life. You are an actual individual in God. How about that? You ever think about that? There's only one of you, thank God. There's only one of you. <laughs> and it is a powerful creature, that one of you. right? Designed to walk on water, to do greater things than I have done, says Jesus in the Gospel of John. How about that? Right? Yeah. Give yourself one loud clap. How did that go this week? How did that go for you this week? How many of you were water walkers this week? How many of you were how many of you were the light of the world this week? How many? Yes, we got one. We got two. Water floaters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if buoyancy is your goal, great. If miracle is your goal, that's something different, right? That's a great commentary on life. How many are shooting for buoyancy? Keep my head above water. Walk on water. Huge difference. Huge difference. How did that go this week? How did that go this week? I think, I think we've been, we've been uh, studying faith, you know, because, I mean, that's what the Lord wants from us. The point of life is that we learn to trust God and to express it in, in, in great works of love on the earth. That's kind of the point of life. 
And, and you know, faith is everything. It's the, current, it's the currency of the universe, you know? It, it's the currency of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And so we've been taking a look at faith. And I think mostly people lose their fight for faith, not because they lose the fight, but because they opt out of it, right? Mostly we get killed by the spirit of eh, right? We don't get killed by the spirit of surrender, right? Satan never says, don't do that. Satan only ever says, do that later, right? And, and, and then, and then we, we, just, we just don't fight. Mostly that's what takes us out. Chaos takes us out through vagueness, delay, and distraction. That's an old tried and true blue water teaching. Uh, he tends to hit you from the side, <laughs> not the front. Uh, but so, so mostly if you failed to be a water walker this week, you failed because you didn't try. You know, most, most of, of you, that's going to be the case. But maybe, maybe like me, uh, you're in a season where you're really fighting for faith. I mean, you just, just, you're just throwing punches every morning, right, to get to faith. And maybe if you fight for faith, you start uh, achieving some, some, some victory, in which point you want to ask yourself, well, you know, what could take me out? Or was, what is taking me out? What's, what's making you uh, feel defeated in the midst of, of your fight Usually it's something to do with fear of man. You know, Jesus talked about that a lot. You know, you're afraid of what somebody will think of you or what people are thinking of you. Uh, if it's not that, then maybe it's fear of money. A lot of us get money sick, right? Which is a sort of fear for the future, I think. You know, fear of provision and stuff like that. That's a common one. Interpersonal stress of various sorts, you know, because what wears you down? Well, the people closest to you, right? And if it's not them, then it's the people on Facebook, am I right? <laughs> it's one of the two. It's one of the two. Um, I, uh, I was talking to someone this week about uh, the, the great philosopher of war, Sun Tzu. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I have a PhD in political theory, but my specialty was actually war and security and, and, and security politics and stuff like that. And there are a couple of... Uh, philosophers that everybody reads, and this old Chinese philosopher named Sun Tzu, and he's not really important. But he, had this, he has this concept where you only fight a battle that you can win. And what you don't want to do is get stuck in the middle, right? You don't want to get stuck on a piece of land where your enemy can hurt you, but you can't really hurt your enemy. You know, and he called that the killing zone. And it wasn't the Chinese phrase, but it's like, never get stuck in the killing zone. Know what takes you out, and don't go there. Uh, you know, what was his point. But a lot of us kind of get stuck in the killing zone, and I get stuck in the killing zone a lot. Um, you know, just about the time I start doing something awesome, uh, usually uh, someone will raise up, and sometimes it's, it's someone relatively close to me, and say, oh, well, what you're doing is actually evil. You know, right? you thought it was good, but actually it's doing a lot of harm. Or, or, boy, you're disturbing a lot of people. People are saying such and such about you. You really need to worry about that. Or, or uh, you know... Maybe God wasn't the one who led you to do this. Have you ever considered that? Are you open to input? And, you know, you get into one of those conversations and you just start sinking, right? Not that you shouldn't be open to input, but you just start sinking. And I caught myself recently this week. It's like, oh, dang it. I'm in the killing zone. I'm in a place where I can't make any progress, but I can take a lot of damage. Don't stay in that place. Don't stay in that place. So what's your killing zone? And other happy thoughts we share at church. 
What's your killing zone? So, you know, let, let, let's, let's do a fill in the blank. Uh, uh, this won't apply to all of you, but it will apply to some of you. Instead of living in transformational faith this week, I blank. Instead of living in transformational faith this week, I what? You get eight seconds of brilliance. Think about it. You're already sharing answers? Well, what did Leah say? You get mad. Oh, anger is a huge one for me. That's why we get along so well. (laughs) Complaint sessions. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of living in transformational this week, I I, I was just angry all week. Anyone? I spend a portion of every day fighting down anger. Others? Instead of living in transformational week, you what? You were apathetic. Eh. You were taken out by the spirit of, eh. Yeah. What else? Well, you just you just kicked ass. All right. S- staff pastor, right there. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. She what? You burned an idol this week? There's a story. You have to share that up here sometime. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds awesome. It's what you want to do with idols. Burn them. Dance on the ashes. One more? Instead of living in transformational faith this week, you... What? You were busy. Oh, that's a huge one, right? You got distracted. All right. I was... uh, Recently, I was talking to a a friend from from the mainland who, right before COVID started, started a new business. And there was this this leap of faith for her, right? It was a huge huge journey uh, to get to that point. Immense amount of risk involved uh, with starting this this new business. And then COVID struck, (laughs) right? So, like... There's a storm coming against you uh, when you're taking a huge faith risk. But the business succeeded. She worked really, really hard, and it became something that started providing for other people. You know, so getting this fantastic faith story during the midst of a huge global crisis, you know, awesome story. Uh, And then, out of nowhere, uh, the business, and, and she was attacked sort of politically and reputationally, uh, for in, in from various sectors, a lot of online stuff, and and some from within uh, for our Christian community. Unfortunately, it was really weird. Like the sort of business she was running was not a business uh, that depended on physically present customers. So like there wasn't a lot of COVID threat involved and stuff like that. But people blamed her for keeping her business open, whereas other businesses that did have physical customers, had to close. And they thought that was unfair and unjust, right? So a couple ways to look at it. One, during a national economic crisis, I am launching a business that is providing for other people and their families. Or two, I'm not standing in solidarity with people who are suffering, right? It just got lambasted uh, for that. Really did a number on her emotionally and psychologically, you know, as, as you might imagine. I was thinking about this, right? You're walking on water, and then the storm hits you afresh, right? What I want to talk about today is how faith needs to be both offensive and defensive, all right? Like you need to leap out upon the water 
And then you need to elbow aside and shrug off what comes against you while you're there. You need to do both if you're going to kick ass like Julie. Right? I need to figure out the Greek word for that so it sounds a little, a little more proper <laughs> from a pastor. I apologize, but somebody look that up. You get the point, though. So we're going to read about that, about walking on water, this immensely familiar story of of Jesus and Peter walking on water from Matthew chapter 14. Even if you have just visited church for the first time in your life, you probably know this story. You know, we have that phrase, oh, you're walking on water. You know, it's like turning water into wine. It's emblematic of incredible miracle working in our culture. So Matthew 14, I'm going to read that version beginning at verse 22. You can follow along in your Bibles or digital Bibles. It'll be up here on the big board. Uh, What's happened is that Jesus has uh, recently uh, done a whole bunch of miracles. um, And uh, uh, including feeding 5,000 people. So huge crowds are following him. And he's He's trying to get a little break. So he sent his disciples away across the lake in a boat, but he's taking a little eye time. He's taking a little personal time before he joins them. So Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Uh, In other versions of the story, we, we, we read that this was actually a fairly significant storm. During the fourth watch of the night, so getting close to middle of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. I love the way it says that. It's like, oh, yeah, he would, wouldn't he? It's like, oh, yeah, they're having trouble dealing with the waves and the wind. I'm not going to take a boat. I'm just going to walk out. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Um, The uh, ancient Greek in which this was written did not have exclamation points, but I imagine there should be one there. Like They were freaked out, as you would be. It's a ghost, they said with great theological acuity and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. He says that a lot, doesn't he? Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, if this is a God thing, tell me to come to you on the water. Fascinating moment. How many of you would have made that play? Oh, I want to do that. Come on, surfers. Come, he said. Another fascinating play. Then Peter got down out of the boat. Good for him. Walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Awesome cinematic moment right there. Right? Get that in your mind for a second. You know? Storm, the boat is going crazy, the wind is against it. Hey, is that you? Can I come over there? Interesting. Steps out. What's that first moment like? I have no idea. Starts walking on the water out to Jesus. 
But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. Another fascinating moment. And cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Super provocative question. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Oh, now the wind dies down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. First you walk on water, and then you just peace out the storm whenever you want. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Same spirit that brings healing is the spirit that lets him walk on water and calm storms when the time comes. What do you think about that story? You heard that story before? Good story? How many of you are water walkers? How many of you are storm sinkers? That's, that's what the story uh, brings up for me. Three questions I always think about when, when I read this story. One, why did Peter ask for an order to get out of the boat? Right? And that, that's really interesting to me. If that's you, tell me to come. Now, the, way, the way he puts it is very provocative. This is what I would think was going on for Peter. Peter has seen extraordinary miracles. He's just experienced the feeding of the 5,000 through the operation of his own hands, right? Uh, And he's seen dead people raised to life. He's seen people get healed of all things and demons cast out of people. And he still finds himself terrified in this moment. And I think he's just tired of being afraid. That's what I think is going on for Peter. I've preached previously on this story, and and that's often a main point for me. I think Peter is just tired of being afraid. You know, and he has this realization, like, Jesus, whatever else is amazing about him, isn't afraid. And I want that. You know, as much as I want to be able to turn a sandwich into a meal for 5,000 people, I want to live unafraid like that dude. You ever had that feeling? And so he does a brilliant thing, right? He doesn't quite have the faith to walk on the water, but he does have the faith to obey Jesus. And so he knows if God tells me to do this, if the Lord tells me to do this, then I know it can be done. So he he kind of checks, though, if that's you, right? I've read this correctly, right? Tell me to come, and then I know I can do it. Tell Tell me to do it, and then I know I can do it. And Jesus is like, I get it, come on over. And so then he does it, you know. Uh, I don't want to be afraid anymore. I want to be amazing. I want to be able to walk on water. Have I read this correctly? Lord, tell me to do something extraordinary. Tell me to do something extraordinary. Because if you tell me to do it, I'll believe that I am extraordinary. That's my deal with you, God. Anyone? Anyone? And Jesus is like, I'll play that game. Come on, let's go. Surf's up. And so he steps out of the boat and and starts walking. Second question I always ask myself is, why did he get scared? Kind of a duh question. You know, because he was walking on water, Jordan. And that's a little freaky. You know, I like the way the story says it. But when he saw the wind, like, did he not see the wind previously? 
did he not realize there was a storm? No, no, he did realize there was a storm. In fact, the whole point of him asking Jesus to get him out of the boat was the storm, right? The whole point was to transcend the material world. And then when he got in the middle of it, he decided that the material world was not transcendable. He forgot that storms don't matter. He forgot that storms don't matter. You ever forget that storms don't matter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You ever forget that the whole point is not just to do amazing things, but to transcend awful things? Anybody? Right? Are you a miracle worker who has forgotten to be a transcender? Be in the world, but not of the world. Have you forgotten that you're really not playing by the same rules that the rest of the world plays by? Because to the degree that you forget that, you shall sink. To the degree that you remember <laughs> to be dysfunctional in that way, <laughs> you shall sink. Right? That's a great way to not walk on water. Uh, he forgot the point. If Peter had instead lived in the moment, concentrating on his present moment, because he was kind of afraid of the future, right? I mean, he wasn't drowning at the moment, but he became afraid that he would drown in the next moment, right? To the degree that he would have just stayed in that living moment, uh, I think he would have taken a victory lap instead of calling out to the lifeguard. Um, what do I mean by, by living in the present moment? It's like he's literally walking on water, right? He's, he's standing on water. If, if he would have just made the next positive step and then the next positive step. And that, that's a great characterization of what life of transformational, transformational faith is like. Just make the next positive step in your life. That's all you have to think about. Just do the next godly thing in your life. And as long as you focus on just that, you'll keep walking on water. Just do the next positive step. That's simple. I like simple. Simple is good. Simple is good. Compartmentalize and do the next godly thing. But what if, what if, what if? No. No. That's defensive faith. You've got to shrug that off and just do the next positive thing, and you'll continue to be awesome. The other thing, I, I, question I ask myself, which is a question that maybe only I ask, is what did the other disciples say when he got back into the boat? <laughs> yeah, you get that? You get that? Because did they say, Peter, you're such a goofball. You're such a loser. Jesus had to rescue you. Or were they like, dude, that was crazy good. You almost had it. You know, what, what, like, how did this story evolve for Peter? Uh, and, and, you know, since I've been walking with the Lord a long time, I'm always interested in, like, all right, you know, what are the ripple effects of what just happened? Because I live with a lot of ripple effects. Uh, what do you think? Was Peter a loser? Was Peter a legend? You think so? He was a legend for losing, but he was a legend, right? He, he was the only one who tried, right? I also relatedly kind of wonder if he's out there walking on water, was he wondering what the other guys were thinking of him? Because as soon as he did, that might have been the beginning of his trouble, yeah? 
right? Sometimes to be a miracle worker, you have to step away from the crowd. To continue to be a miracle worker, you have to not worry about what the crowd is thinking, <laughs> right? Um, I don't know. It would have been fun to be in that small group, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> that was awesome. Sony and I are starting a small group in a couple of weeks in Kaneohe. Anybody at Windward Side, you can come if you don't have one. We're going to, like, I don't know, walk on water and stuff? <laughs> yeah? Or are we just going to be buoyant? We'll start with paddle boards. All right. But we'll, we'll get there. I got a catamaran. We'll have fun. Something goes wrong. The nature of faith is both offensive and defensive. You ever know anyone who is like, I have the faith to do miracles. I have the faith to heal people. Yes, Jesus can do anything. But they were completely dysfunctional in some way in their personal life because they couldn't handle anxieties for one reason or another. You know, maybe it's financial anxieties. Maybe it's COVID anxiety. Maybe it's reputational anxiety. But they were all about healing people in Jesus' name, right? There's an imbalance there, right? So they're really good at offensive faith and really bad at defensive faith. And that person goes nowhere. That person gets stuck. Because here's the reality. You can have faith to do the impossible, but still lack the faith to shrug off trouble. I, I, do I hear conviction in the crowd? Is that what I hear? Let's, you know, let's go through it again. You can have the faith to do the impossible, but still lack the faith to shrug off trouble. And if that's you, you get stuck in the middle. And what happens when you get stuck in the middle? You're neither in the boat, nor are you walking on water. You're crying out for help. And if you need help, crying out for it is a good idea, so don't get me wrong. But you don't want to get stuck there, do you? Do you? Right? So if you're doing the impossible, don't stop. Paul would say to the Galatians, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? Right? I mean, everything was going so well. And then you got freaked out because somebody made a religious accusation against you. That was the case in Galicia. But in, in that church, you know, people said you weren't Christian enough. And all of your miracle working power got sucked out of your soul. You know, because an accusation came against you. If you're doing the impossible, if you've made up your mind to live an impossible life, don't stop. Right? Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't let anything stop you. Don't let anxiety stop you. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let busyness stop you. Don't let uh, apathy stop you. Don't stop. That's it. You know, and if times are hard, especially don't stop. My favorite quote from uh, wartime British Prime Minister Winston Churchill had a lot of great quotes is, if you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> right? You don't. You don't want to get stuck there. Right? And, and the way we keep going is, is, is journey of faith. How many of you do great at offensive faith? Come on. That's a, no shame. A little boastfulness is good for the soul. How many of you do great at defensive faith? Yeah. My favorite biblical story of defensive faith comes from the Apostle Paul 
when he was shipwrecked on Malta. You know that story? He had been treated unfairly and brutally in a zillion different ways. He'd end up in a shipwreck. He uh, saved everybody in the shipwreck and they wanted to kill him for his trouble and you know, all this stuff. And they wash up on a beach in, in, in Malta, the island of Malta. And true to form, he's serving his shipwreck comrades by gathering firewood. I mean, the guy has just been the humblest servant, the most godly man ever. And while he's gathering firewood, you know this story? He gets bitten by a poisonous snake, an asp, a particularly dangerous snake of that region. Uh, lethal, almost always. And what he does after he gets bit, he says, and he shook it off into the fire and then continued to gather firewood. I just went on, right? There's no prayer service. There was no healing service. There was no angelic visitation. There was just to shake it off into the fire and move on. Awesome defense. You know, shrug it off. Shrug it off. In the immortal words of the great theologian, Taylor Swift. Shake, shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. Who needs to shake off something? You were, you were walking a good walk, but you looked at the storm. You forgot that the storm didn't matter, didn't you? Is that you? Come on, we'll pray for you. Go ahead and stand up. Stand up on the water. We'll pray for you real quick. Shake it off. This is, this is just a, like a physical expression of shake off. Just get up. Shake it off. Shake it off. You're going to be a new person when you're done. Be a new person when you're done. And what you're doing here, you didn't know it, but you're actually signing a contract and you're saying, you're saying, I'm not, I'm not going to fall for that nonsense anymore, right? I'm a water walker. I am not a storm sinker. I am a water walker. I am not a storm sinker. I will not forget that storms don't matter. I will not forget that storms don't matter. I will remember that the point is to transcend the storm. That's why you're in this business. That's why you're doing what you're doing. The point is that you wanted to transcend the storm. That's why you got out of the boat. You were tired of being afraid. That's the whole point. You were tired of being afraid. And so you're not gonna, you're not gonna go back. You're not gonna chase your tail, right? That's your contract. Amen? So, brothers and sisters, just stretch out a hand toward these beautiful people, these champions of faith, these miraculous water walkers. And you're like, no sweat. You're doing it. Keep going. Everybody say it. Keep going. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just fan into flame the faith that got these people out of the boat in the first place that got them into this glorious trouble they're in. And in the name of Jesus, we stand against any accusation from ourselves, from the enemy, or from other people that would derail us from our walk of faith. We will not accuse ourselves. If the storm you're in is partially your fault, it is still a storm you must ignore. Shrug it off. 
If the storm you're in comes from other Christians criticizing you, it is still a storm that shall not touch your faith level. Doesn't mean you're always right. It means you're always strong. Faith is yours. That's who you are. You are a city on a hill. You are the light of the world. Greater thing than these you will do, Jesus said. You are a miracle worker. That is your design. You are a child of faith. That is your design. You were not meant to live like other people live. Therefore, do not compare. And I bless you with that as your brother in the Lord, in the name of the Lord. You are a different person. You are impervious. You are above it. You are walking on the surface of the storm, having a great time. You might be walking on the surface of the storm, crying tears of grief, depending on the situation, but you're still walking. And you shall do a miracle today. And probably another one this week. In Jesus' name. Go ahead, Holy Spirit. Fill them up. We'll give you space to do your work, Holy Spirit. Use space to do your work. I know some of you are feeling the Spirit. Just, we'll just take a minute so that you can drink it up. More, Lord. Give them more, Jesus. Give them all that you have for them, Jesus. Enough. Enough of the fear. We're tired of it. Enough. Enough. And you know what we have in the end? We have the ability to calm the storm anyway. We'll get there in due time. We'll get there in due time. I put words of authority in your hearts and mouths. Shrugging it off is a holy thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. High fives.